are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. It's about showing up every single day. It's about giving all of yourself. It's about evaluating your work. It's about innovating practice to change lives. Every single week, let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the truest and shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. So today, I'm so happy that you're here today because we are going to dive deep into the research and answer a really important question. Is there evidence against the complexity approach? Is there evidence that shows that the complexity approach is ineffective in treating speech sound disorders? Let's dive deep and let's answer this very important question. I'm gonna give you full disclosure before I present my case to you. I have been researching complex speech sound disorder targets for about 10 years now. And every year the result is always the same. The more complex the treatment target, the greater the gains for diverse groups of preschoolers. I'm talking about preschoolers on the autism spectrum, preschoolers with childhood apraxia of speech, preschoolers with phonological processing processes, preschoolers with articulation impairment, all levels of severity, all levels of etiology. I consistently find year after year after year after year after year, it's the same finding. The more complex the treatment target, the better the gains. You can check my research out on ResearchGate. There's lots and lots of studies. I presented this research at ASHA. Sure, I have not published it in journals. I don't have time for that, but it is very important to me that this research, which is very stringently controlled, is presented and shared with the, my fellow professionals and with the research community. So I put all of my research on ResearchGate because I want to get the word out. And the word is this, three element consonant clusters will produce the greatest gains for diverse populations of preschoolers. Not only that, for diverse severity levels. So this is a finding that I find time and time again, year after year after year after year. So where I'm coming from, if I find a finding that says that the complexity approach is not working, that complex treatment targets are not working, I wanna find out why why is it that you're not finding what I'm finding time and time and time again for years? What is going on differently here? So there's one 
one article, one research study in the last 20 years, over 20 years ago, that was a, that claims to be against the complexity approach. That claims, I mean, this is only a claim. I want to make this clear. We're going to look at this for ourselves. That claims that the complexity approach and complex treatment target is not as effective as the developmental approach of choosing a, an earlier developing sound. So let's look at these claims because this research is the single study that's been cited time and time again that this is evidence against the complexity approach. When we look at this, we need to decide at the end of this episode, and you, I, want you to, I want you to download this, this, this article yourself. I want you to look at it yourself. And I'm not gonna lie, the garbage is hidden under a lot of like glade spray, just fabricated nonsense. And when you look under the fabricated nonsense, you see the trash. There's a lot, this is not a good study for many reasons. There's a lot of serious flaws in the study. And we're gonna look at these serious flaws. And this, you have to remember, this study was published in JSLHR, which is the most reputable journal in our field. It's peer reviewed. This study was published over 20 years ago, yet is continuously cited to this day, multiple times, numerous times, it's a highly cited study, is evidence against the complexity approach. I'm not seeing it. And let's talk about why. I think it's so important that you know this study and that you know what this study's about. Because if you're going to say, well, there's evidence against the complexity approach, you need to know why you're saying that, as do the people who are citing it as evidence against the complexity approach. So let's look at the study. Let's take a closer look. This is an important study to know, and it's an important study to study. So the study is this. If you want to look it up in JSLHR yourself, I encourage you to do so. The Effect of Target Selection Strategy on Phonological Learning by Susan Ravishaw, Michelle Nowak. Susan Navishaw is at McGill University, and it's from June 2001, JSLHR. Print this hot baby out yourself, get a read, give it a read. Like, I'm gonna, like I said before, there's a lot of garbage in this study that is covered up by spray, glade, numbers that don't matter, a lot of effusive information, but when you take a close look at what is delivered, you can see that there's some serious flaws in the reasoning behind the study. So the first thing we look at is we have 48 children with moderate to severe speech sound disorders. And they're going to be randomly assigned to one or two groups. This is good research. We like to see this random assignment to one or two research groups, moderately to severe four-year-olds. So they're about four and a half years old on average. Okay, so we're things are looking good right now. Four years old, my, they're randomly assigned. Now it's downhill from here. And let's explain why. So the first group is assigned four treatment targets that are early developing sound. We're talking sounds, we're talking PBHW, the earliest developing sounds. But we're gonna compare that to the other group that's assigned the four latest developing sounds. So they're assigned the R, the TH, the CH, the J, the L, late developing sounds, right? Let's think about this for a minute. 
if you're four, is it really expected for you to be able to produce an R, which develops at age five, or a TH, which develops at age six? So this already is mission impossible. And the reason it's mission impossible is because the what they're going to measure at the end is, did the child master the R in three months? Did the child master the TH voiceless in three months? The child, that's not even developmentally appropriate, let alone the fact, I mean, this is a four-year-old. Those are five, H5, H6 treatment targets. But let alone, this is a child with moderate to severe speech sound disorder. So you want them to be able to, in three months, perform it above age expectation. So this is a problem already. The treatment targets, that's not really the problem. The problem is the goal is that they're going to be able to produce the treatment targets correctly. That's the problem. So we're going to go against developmental norms and we're going to do it even though we have moderate to severe level of speech sound disorder, mission impossible. And this is a second problem. They say, well, this is us looking at the complexity approach. Well, the complexity approach with Garrett and with the other researchers like Jennifer Tapps and then Williams with the complexity approach, what they advocate are clusters not single sounds, using cluster targets. And the reason we're using cluster targets is because you're doing acrobatics in the mouth. You they not only cluster targets, you're using cluster targets that are extremely different from each other. So you're having a child produce, for instance, an S where the airflow is where it's obstructed, and they're going to an L sound in which the airflow is gliding across the tongue. They're doing Cirque de Soleil in the mouth and in doing that complex motor movement, you have a cascading impact in which all the earlier sounds naturally develop. So this isn't the complexity approach, but um, Ravishaw claims that this is what Garrett would propose and the complexity approach people would compose doing the singletons. That's not the case. They, they actually compose, they actually would like clusters. So we have some problems already. The problem is A, mission impossible. We're expecting the child to do R and TH, sounds that are above a four-year-old's age, even though they have moderate to severe impairment, add to that. Two, the other problem is we're not using clusters. Garrett would recommend clusters. So if it was Garrett, she would go, go for two element clusters. That would be her goal. I always say go for three by any means possible. So that's where we differ. I'm a bit more ambitious than what Garrett or Jennifer Tapps would recommend. Because my research has found that three element clusters, you're getting about double the gains than if you go for two. So now let's look back to the research. So we have a couple problems with the intervention. Now we're going to, now this intervention better be really good, right? Because we are going to have these children with moderate, severe impairment. They're going to perform in three months with once weekly, 30 to 40 minute session, only one time weekly. And we know that uh, more sessions in a week is better than, than one, but only one therapy session a week. And in three months, they're going to be doing above age expectation sounds. I mean, this is exciting. I, okay. What kind of intervention are they going to use? 
Because this intervention must be like, wow, if I had an intervention where I could take children with moderate to severe speech sound disorders and I could have them doing the R and the TH and the chat and the jot in three months, I mean, hello, I would be filthy rich. I would be like eating, yeah, I would be eating organic raspberries by the pounds. I would have a kitchen full of organic grass-fed cage eggs. That's what my kitchen would look like. I would be so rich. It's mission impossible. No intervention approach could get those results. But this is about the complexity approach, supposedly. Now we're so off from the complexity approach, but that's what she claims. So, okay, let's see what happens next. Let's look at this intervention because it must be darn good. When you look at the intervention, it's the old-fashioned intervention, the kind you see from the Easy Does It Propraxia book. This is the kind where it's like we start at syllables, then we go to words, then we go to phrases, then we go to sentences. Whoa, maybe we go to the conversational level. Old-fashioned therapy, discrete trial, might add a bowling game in there and say a word 10 times when you knock the pen on over. So uh, we know that doesn't get those results in, in, three, in three months that, I don't know how this is gonna work, but this is, we'll see, we'll see. We gotta, we gotta get to how this applies to the complexity approach. I don't see it. What I see are two things, mission impossible, A, by any approach, but they're using an old fashioned approach that, that works kind of well, okay? And then I also see that it's not even a complexity approach they're using. They're using singleton sounds, which a complexity approach would use clusters. Okay, let's see what happens next. Then, this just gets even more exciting. They go into, well, how are we going to compare the two intervention groups, right? Well, let's see which sounds develop first. So we found that those children that got the PBMW, now think about that. This is like the 5K, okay? This is a short race. These sounds come really easily. They develop first. These are the, the stops. They're the bottom staircase. They come in quickly. Let's compare, did they get these sounds versus this group? Did you guys get the R and the L and the TH and the cha and the ja in three months? Well, look at this. Would you look at this? These children, they got the P, they got it. You know what? That child over there with the R as the treatment target, didn't get it. We gave him three months, this four-year-old three months to learn it. And we gave them one weekly 30, 40 minute session. What? Ergo, the complexity approach does not work. So, This is hilarious to me, kind of hilarious, because you're comparing a 5K to a marathon. Have you worked on R's with four-year-olds with moderate to severe speech impairment? And did they get it in three months with once a week therapy session? Because if they did, you're freaking amazing. (laughs) Like, wow, what do you have, a magic wand? Share with me your your tricks. This is amazing. And you're getting the TH. They're above average. What? So what happened here is they compared two different races. They said, your time, you got, you, you, you finished the 5K faster than you finished the marathon. 
And therefore, the, the approach is better. This approach is better. Pick the earlier developing sounds. All we know from this research is this. You compared, if you and I were training and I did a 5K, ran a 5K, and you were running a marathon, you can't say, well, my running approach was better than yours because I, I crossed the finish line before you did. No, my race was so much shorter. You had to go to the top of the staircase. I only had to go the first staircase. Of course, I finished before you did. And that is a major, major flaw in the study. Just like I tell my preschoolers, I tell my graduate students, when you do intervention research, you need to keep every variable the same. Every variable must stay the same to know that it was the treatment target itself that, that mattered. If they would have compared the speech sound disorder test pre and post test, that would make more sense and say, look, the person that we gave the P to, they had all of these, this much improvement on the speech sound disorder test. And this person on the speech sound disorder the test that we gave the R to it, this much improvement. You gotta keep the race the same. Everything has to be the same. The test has to be the same. You can't compare the 5K to the marathon and say, Kelly had better training than I did because she finished before I did. Because you're running a marathon and I'm doing the 5K. We have different races. So this, this research is just hilarious to me because it doesn't stop there. So it says, okay, so the complexity approach obviously doesn't work. And so we have some, like I've mentioned before, we've got some problems and they're just adding up. They're adding up. Number one, mission impossible. We're going to give a goal for these children that's above age expectation, even though they have a moderate to severe speech sound disorder. Then we're going to give them traditional therapy to get there. So let's just see how that goes. And then number two, we're not even going to do the, the, uh, we're not even going to do the complexity approach. We're going to use singleton sounds. We're not even going to use clusters, which are much more effective than singleton sounds, by the way. And number three, we're going to have a different race, okay? So the ones that are supposed to just get the P, B, H, or W, yeah, we're going to see how long does it take you to get the P, but we're going to compare it to how long did it take you to get the R, and then we're going to say, oh, they got the P faster, therefore this is a better approach. They've crossed the 5K line before the marathon. Therefore, this is a better training program. So it gets funnier. To me, it gets funnier because I'm like, this is, things are just so absurd. Let's just add a little whipped cream on top of this. The parents, what, were less satisfied with the progress or lack of progress for those that were given the R. What? So they were more satisfied with the progress for those that got the P because they achieved the P. But oh no, the goal for those to get the R at the sentence level, it didn't happen in three months. So parents who know not, who knew nothing about speech sound disorder, who knew nothing about realistic expectations, were given a goal. It was like false advertising that's completely unrealistic, that's completely unachievable. No one can get these results. 
And then they were not satisfied because that result was not achieved. That goal was not achieved that they were given as a three-month goal. So my point in all of this is that we need to critically look at the research and we need to read it for ourselves. And when we look at the research, we're going to see sometimes it's not gar sometimes it's garbage in, garbage out. And sometimes there's a case of smoke and mirrors where it looks really good. Well, this is a random, randomly controlled study. This were randomly assigned individuals. This is great. But then we look at what happened. We look at the intervention and we're like, what? This isn't the complexity approach. What? The goals for these children were to do above age expectation? What? They had a different, they had a different test where one of them had a 5K race and the other one had to do a marathon and we compared it as in the same time period. They, these children, they went further, they, they, they achieved their goal. They achieved the 5K, but these children, they were still going for the marathon. They didn't get there yet in three months. And then what? The parents were less satisfied with the progress when their children with moderate severe speech sound disorders who were four years old and three months did not achieve sounds that were above their age expectation. I'd be disappointed too. If I were told that as a parent, my goal for your child is that they're gonna produce R in three months. It was like, oh. and they didn't obviously. I mean, if they did, I mean, well, you teach me, <laughs> you're good. I would be disappointed too. So my point here is that I would say, is there any evidence against the complexity approach, against more complex treatment targets for greater gains? I would say a resounding N, oh, this study has nothing to do with the complexity approach, A, but B, all this study tells us is that what we already know, earlier sounds develop before later sounds. When I work with three-year-olds and I have these SKR, SKW, three-element blends that we do in therapy, right? And they love therapy. And the parents in my study are very happy with the gains, right? They don't make gains on R and three-element blends and even clusters. That's later, that's the top of the staircase. What do they do? They make gains in the stop sounds. Then they make gains in the fricatives. And next they make gains in the affricates. And next they make gains in the two element clusters. And then the three element clusters. We do not change the order of development of our own languages all over the world. We're not that powerful. But what we do is these children run up the stairs instead of crawling up the stairs. As Lynn Williams said, we're taking a firework to the rock. As, as Garrett said, Judith Garrett said, you are taking a, you're using a cascading effect in which you change the entire linguistic system through a cascading effect. That's what you're doing. That's what it's about. So this study, this is called an example of false causation in which correlation does not equal causation. The fact that earlier sounds develop before later sounds does not mean the complexity approach doesn't work. When I do the complexity approach, guess what happens? In three months, the P, B, W, H develop. 
My, my findings are the same as Ravishaw's. Earlier sounds always develop before later ones, unless you have a motor speech disorder in which there's an atypical order of development due to neurological difference. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I just want you to know, I have a very open mind when it comes to research and learning. But in this situation, I, I, have, I think that sometimes you have to be very critical. And even with a very, very open mind, when you see that there's serious flaws in research, you have to address those flaws. Instead of taking what the abstract says at face value, Okay, but thank you so much. I want you to take this knowledge, roll up your sleeves and go ahead and make the world a better place one child at a time. And if you haven't got my book yet, get my book. You will love it. It is by far, I'm gonna say this, if you don't think, if you don't agree, the best approach out there in treating speech sound disorders, not only in the gains that you're going to get in terms of quantity, but qualitatively. There's over a hundred video clips in the book and the video clips are the highest quality therapy you will see in treating speech sound disorders. And I want you to take that therapy that you're gonna see those hundred clips and I want you to do better. I know you can do better. I know that you have gifts that my graduate students and myself that we don't have. You have these unique talents, these unique superpowers, and I want you to evolve and innovate therapy, and I know you will, but you got, you got to get the book. The book is going to give you so much. All right. See you next week.